I am so excited about today because today is a special day. Every day is a special day with God. But today we're recognizing fathers. And the thing about fathers is fathers don't get enough recognition. And we've, we've kind of put fathers down in the grave pretty much and put everything on mom. And I'll tell you what, it takes mom and dad together to create a family, to create a healthy family. And so we need to be honoring both mothers and fathers all the time, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm very honored to have the children I have, you know, watching my son play the guitar up there and, and my other daughter Alexa up here. And then when Brittany was leading worship, I mean, that was just awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's good to see your kids doing things for God. But to be a father, it just doesn't mean that you're a donor. And you all know what I'm talking about. To be a father is someone who cares for their children. Who's someone who provides for their children, their, their spouse, the household. And you know what? There's a lot of people out there that are just donors but not true fathers. But I want to recognize true fathers. A true father doesn't necessarily have to be the biological father. If you've taken on somebody else's children and you've taken them on as your own, more power to you. Happy Father's Day. This is your day. You stepped up to the plate because there's a lot of men out there. They're not stepping up to the plate. And you know what? Let me tell you guys out there who are not stepping up to the plate, you have a chance to change your life today. Even if your children are adults, if you change your life and you turn yourself around today, you can make it right today because your past doesn't define you. The things that you've done don't define you. Who you belong to defines you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, that's who defines you. If you don't belong to Jesus Christ, there's only two picks. Then he defines you. And the way he defines you is he defines you based upon what you look like, what you act like, who you can, who you can influence, how much money you have, See, all, that, all that's defined by the other daddy. Because the way I'm defined is I'm the richest man on the planet. Not because of my bank account, because who my daddy is. Amen? Good morning. Welcome to Thrive. I'm excited for everybody that's here today. It is an honor to worship with you here in this sanctuary and also for those that are online. It, our, our motto here is don't just survive thrive. And we sum it up in three words. Grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. We're developing our character. And the way you succeed is by doing the call that God has on your life, both here in your local church and in your community. And that's what thrive is all about. Amen. We're going to close out our message series this morning on living free. And it's been a good series. It's challenged me because I didn't realize how much bondage I still had in my life. And I'm not talking about ball and chain. You know, I'm talking about bondage, religion. I didn't, you don't realize until you start getting into true freedom, what true freedom is supposed to look like. And so in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I the world. That's what real freedom looks like. When you take a look at that, freedom's not centered on a dead religion. 
freedom is centered on a living relationship with Christ Jesus. That's what it looks like. So how do you know what freedom looks like in your own life? Well, I'll answer that question right now. It's when you don't have to, you get to. See, I don't have to tithe, I get to tithe. Under the law, you had to tithe. And if you didn't tithe, there was some cursings that go with it. But Jesus was made to be the curse, so we don't become the curse or we're not cursed. So it's not that I have to tithe. So if I'm tithing because I feel I'm obligated to, then I'm not living free. I'm still living under bondage. But when I realize that he is the author and finisher of my faith, that he's the one who provides seed to the sower and bread for those to eat, and I understand all these things, now I'm free to give. And not only do I get to give my tithes, but every time somebody comes around that has a need, the Bible says we're supposed to give into every good work. Now, not every work's good. Because sometimes somebody might come around and it's just not... A, it's not a good thing for you to give to them because they're going to take what you give them and they're going to do something wrong. Hello, my name is Rick and I'm an alcoholic. You know, hi, Rick. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we might blow somebody's sobriety. So instead of maybe handing them a $20 bill, go out, and go out with them to the store and buy them some groceries. Give them what they need. Show them how to fish so they can catch their own. Because the thing of it is, is if all we're doing is just giving and giving and giving and we're not teaching people how to receive themselves and be able to, to, to get fish, then what's going on is we become the welfare system. God doesn't run a welfare system. God is not a Republican, Democrat, liberal, independent. He's, not, he's God. Does God want everybody taken care of? Yes. But the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't so put people to work. And this, now, this is good stuff. None of that was in my notes. This was just really good. Right? Now, like I said, we have to go from the got to to the get to. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. See, I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church. See, if you feel that you have to come to church, then you're in bondage to religion that's, that's giving you this complex. Like, oh, I better get this, brother. I don't want anybody to think I'm not saved. I never read where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten church that whoever goes to it on Sunday morning You know, you know what I'm saying? What I read is if I have Jesus and I believe in him and the price that he paid and he took on all sin for all of humanity and I believe he was risen from the grave on the third day and I believe that he was preached amongst the Gentiles and I believe he was received up into glory and when he went up into glory, he took that blood and he sprinkled it on the altar in heaven. And forever we are cleansed. That's being set free. 
But see, what I heard in church was this. You're going to hell. Oh, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Well, I'm not going to church because I'm going to hell. Because every time I was in church, I was getting beat up. Church is not meant to beat us up. It's meant to encourage us, strengthen us. And if we have some things going on that need to be corrected, the Holy Spirit's here to correct us, not beat us, correct us so we can start doing right. Okay? Is this a good Father's Day message? All right. So the whole thing is when you get to instead of got to, you start seeing that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, it starts changing your perspective of things. See, I'm, I'm excited that I get to teach the Word of God. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that I get to hang out with Leah. Oh, she's my smoking hot mama. No one compares. That's the truth. She's in a league all above everyone else. And that's because I made that commitment to her. And that commitment is by a choice. And when you choose the right thing, the Holy Spirit will cause you to be into a deeper love with that person than anybody else. Without the right relationship, now you've got to. And if you've got to, then you'd be looking around. Grass looks greener on the other side. It's not just where the septic tank is, but <laughs> there's more fertilizer over there too. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Man, this is good stuff. So it will change your perspective. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Up until this point, Paul hasn't been talking about serving in the book of Galatians. He's been talking about issues of the heart and getting your, your heart right. Because he knew that if you didn't have your heart in the right place before you started serving, you would turn legalistic and religious and be just like the Pharisees. See, before you really start serving or before you, you should start serving is... You, you need to have that relationship with Jesus. Well, how long does it take? Well, it can start today. You just have to keep it going. See, you can start it, and then you can walk away, and then all of a sudden you start getting dry, and you're wondering why you're getting dry. It's because you're not cultivating that relationship with him. The Bible says he's standing at the door, and he's knocking. And the reason why we can't hear him is because we have so many things in our life that's causing so much noise in our heads, we're not paying attention, but God is always trying to talk to us. He's always trying to minister us to us. The Bible tells us that he has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us. So when, when you say, hey, I'm going to, I don't know, Disney World, right? And going, yeah, but something inside is like, mm, don't go. Don't go then. If you don't have peace, for all you know, you could be going on the road and a tractor trailer be right where you were going to be at and take you out. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say this. The entire law is summed, summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what did Paul just say? He said this is what serving looks like. 
Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what serving looks like. Love is relational. And if it's duty, then it's not relational. So if you have to serve out of duty, you got to. But if you serve because you love him and you love everyone else, you get to. It's an honor to serve. It really is. I, I don't take pastoring lightly. When I was called to pastor, I, I wanted to give it to somebody else. I said, God, I said, I was making a lot of money at the time. I said, God, I can pay for a pastor's salary. So the church doesn't even have to pay a salary. I can pay a salary. And I could still live good. But God wanted to teach me something along the way. First of all, this is what he called me to do. But second of all, I had to take a journey to get to the point to where I'm at today, to do the calling in my life. And the journey that I had to take is, is I had to walk out by faith and have nothing to fall back on. And that's what we did. We took a wife and three kids, and we went from Southern California to a place called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right next to Tulsa. In the year that they had the most amount of tornadoes they've ever had up to that time, 317 or 19. 1999. And it, it was like, the one was like a mile and a half wide that went through Moore, Oklahoma. It was huge. So we lived in this house on uh, 63rd and Garnett. And we were out one time. It was in the minivan. And we had this Dodge minivan. And I'm sitting here. The trees were like going at a 90-degree angle because of the wind. Remember that commercial? Bloop, 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 bloop. Coffee commercial? Well, that's what the van felt like. Bloop, 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 bloop. I'm, a, oh! I'm freaking now. You look up in the sky, and you see these whirlwinds, and they're coming. They're, they're going. They're, and you're going, oh, please don't touch down. Please don't touch down. They all seem to touch down in Wagner. I don't know why, but they kept missing us. And I'm like, God, why did you send me here? He was trying to teach me faith, to trust in him during the times of storm. That he's bigger than any tornado, and he's bigger than any problem or any mountain or anything that's going on. He was get, taking me on a journey to show me I can trust in him and to be able to give people the same faith because it's, it's available to everybody if we just believe. He doesn't care what you look like, what you, I mean, when I was a punk rocker in the late 70s, early 80s, Jesus, if he came down to visit me, he would have had a mohawk. He would have. He would have had these boots on and he would have maybe had war paint on. Why? Because he would have met me right where I'm at. He wouldn't have been sinning with all the sin that I was doing, but he would come to me eye to eye and meet me right where I'm at just to show me that he loves me. So he does not care about all that other stuff that religion cares about. He's a relational God. In Galatians 6.2, the Apostle Paul continues this loving your neighbor as yourself thought pattern. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. I thought we're no, no longer under the law. Well, we're under this law, the law of Christ. Well, well, what is it? I'm glad you asked that. I don't think I have it in your notes, but it'll be on the board. John 3 uh, 13, 34, and 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
In the Old Testament, they obeyed out of duty. In the New Testament, we obey out of relationship. That's basically what he just said right there. And he said this. So in other words, the motivation is different. He said this. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is the deal. Even the world can tell a real Christian from a religious Christian. Because even the world can see the true love inside of a person versus religious love that comes from a person. See, religious love comes by condition. I'll love you if. If you do the right thing, wear the right thing, uh, say the right thing, I'll love you. But if you don't, I'm going to talk bad about you all over the place. I'll, I'll hug you and say, oh, sister, girl, good to see you. Love you. You're so good. I can't stand her. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know those people. Y'all some of those people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so love is the core of being a servant. So if you want to start experiencing freedom, then what happens is you start naturally loving people. If you don't naturally love people, to be honest with you, the reason is your relationship with Jesus is not where it's supposed to be. Well, how do I get it right? You have to work on it. And don't work on everything all at once. Take one thing and say, all right, I'm going to work on this one thing right here. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in your grace to deliver me from this. And I'm believing in you and your word. And as that starts going, and then you start realizing, because, I mean, I've had people tell me, I don't smoke weed anymore. I have, matter of fact, I had a friend of mine, he was a, he was a pot dealer. We were talking, he was getting all mad because he was going to start drug testing at his job. And, and he's a supervisor. And he, he smoked a lot of weed back in the day. And he said, you know what, Rick? I said, what? He said, uh, you know, I was getting all mad. I was telling this to my, my girlfriend. And she said, Pat, you haven't smoked weed in five years. He didn't even know he stopped. <laughs> See, that's what it's like. I mean, when you turn it over to God, you don't even know you stopped. Because you don't have to do anything about it. It's not by your works of righteousness. It's by his grace alone. That's where deliverance comes from. Deliverance comes from the grace of God. For it's by grace we have been saved through faith. So in other words, God's divine ability comes into our life when we believe it does. And then it's not by anything that we have done. Not, it's by everything that he has done. And so now we can live free. That's why I believe that every inmate and Greene County Jail can be turned around. But I'll be honest with you, and those of you here that are in law enforcement or been in law enforcement for a while knows that's a very hard thing for a law enforcement officer to believe. It is because we see the same people again, again. And then it's like when we take them in, they have a family reunion. I'm, I'm not kidding. That's, that's how it is. I mean, it's the truth. But, you know, I've not, and I've only been doing this, oh, about a year and a half, and I've not had one issue with anybody. See, I practice what I preach. 
I go into the office and I, I talk to the ladies in the office. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we have one who's here this morning, but I talk to the ladies in the office. I talk to the people in dispatch. I want to I talk to them, and I, and I don't go around preaching to them. I don't go around telling them, hey, you know, Jesus, this, Jesus. I'm just kind to them. Why? Because it's the love of God that's on the inside of us that should be preaching Jesus. If it's not preaching Jesus on the inside of us, then we need to change something on the inside of us. But see, I, I get to minister. I mean, that's why we have some people here that, that are even from the detention center. that They come here because they're getting a life. And you know what? I've never been to a place where you have law enforcement officers and inmates in one sanctuary, and it'd be all right. Usually, one of them says, oh, no, I'm not going there because, you know, I'm not going there. But I believe that that's the Spirit of God. And I believe the Spirit of God is changing people here from the inside out. And I believe that you're going to touch every single person you come into contact with, not with the Bible. You're going to touch them with the Spirit of the living God as your presence comes into their presence, and your presence is going to demand a response. It's not demanding it because you're saying, no, respond to me. What it is is when they have problems and they have issues, they, they bring them to you. They don't bottle them up because they know that you really care for them genuinely. And you love on them unconditionally. In Galatians 6.10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of faith. So Paul was saying what we need to do is we need to be living to make a difference. That's what he just said right there. And that's what we need to do. We need to live to make a difference. And I'm going to give you three quick practical ways to live to make a difference. Number one, identify your sphere of influence. That's the first thing you have to do is identify that sphere of influence that you have. See, God has put people into your life. And he put people into your life so you can influence them. People are the most important commodity in the kingdom. Because God's son, Jesus, paid the ultimate price for people. So take a look at that sphere of influence of people that God has called you to love with his word. He's not called you to love and, and, and be over everybody and everything. He has a specific group of people for you to love. And, be, and as a matter of fact, that group of people is not my group of people. See, y'all my group of people, and I've got a sphere of influence with you guys, and I can, but you know what? Your sphere of influence is not to come up here and to do that. This is what I'm called to do. Your sphere of influence are the people that God has called in your life, no matter where it is, for you to give them the same type of love as you not only receive from me, but you receive from the Father himself. And that is what we need to do. 2 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, but we will not boast beyond limits. So there's limits, there's borders. But we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to reach even to you. So there's limits, there's borders. Don't cross over into somebody else's borders. Find where your borders are at. And when you start doing your borders, what will happen is you'll start changing your world. And when you start changing your world, you'll be a part of changing the world. See, if we all have to do our part. 
no matter where you're at, no matter what place you're in. Take a look at your, your influence. And this is what you have to do is you have to have, find a people. You have to have a place. And you have to have passion. The reason why people come to Thrive who come here, the reason why we have people listen online, it's because there's a people. It's all y'all and them. There's a place. It's their computer or it's the sanctuary. And I've got passion. And because I have passion, the Holy Spirit uses me, even though that I might not say the right thing or do the right thing or uh, I might mess it all up, he'll use me to change the lives of people, all because of passion. And that's not in your notes. You can write that down. People, place, passion. Now, the thing of it is, is there's certain types of people that that you're going to draw to and other types of people you're not. That's what small groups are really cool for because you get to find out if you don't like somebody. Or you get to find out that you really do like them and you have a whole lot more in common than you thought. So that's what small groups are about. People who like to fish will hang out with fishermen. And they will have, yeah, Kyle likes to fish. And he hangs out with other people who like to fish. On kayaks or on the shore or wherever. And the the thing is, is that's your sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence might be your job. You know, wherever you're at. Amen? Okay. Acts 17, 26. He said, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places uh, where they should live. God knew you were going to be here today. You're here at the right time. You're here in the right place. He knew where you were going to be. And you know what? He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. He knows exactly where you're going to be. He's placed you in a time, in a, in, in, in a place. And to what? To have a sphere of influence into some people's lives. Because he's concerned about one thing. He's concerned about people who are lost and hurting. And that's what he's concerned about. He's not concerned about how big of a boat you have. He could care less. I can't believe it, you know, they, they got this big boat. So what? You got a problem with it. Now, if they're worshiping that boat, then they're wrong. See, we're to be stewards of stuff, not stuff to be stewards of us. And I think that we mess that thing up, you know, and I think that's why a lot of people don't make a lot of money they, because what happens is, is God realizes if he, can, if he just has us right here, we'll do all right. But if all of a sudden we hit the lottery which God didn't give us to hit the lottery, let's say we did, and boom, then we have all this stuff. Then You realize that 70% of the people end up in a worse position than they were ever in in their life? Anyway, so after you identify the people, then you meet them in their place of need. Galatians 6, 2, it said this, it said, share each other's burdens. You can't share somebody's burdens if you don't have a relationship with them because you won't know what they need. That's the only way you find out. So why do you think I I go and I talk with so many people and I spend time because my whole thing is I'm, I'm trying to find out what do they need? What do they need? I mean, just a few minutes ago before church started, we were over here and we were we were talking and 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 I was told that. Uh, you know, I'm always giving a sermon, no matter what's going on. 
Well, Alexa will tell you that. She said she'll tell you that, you know, sometimes I want daddy and not pastor daddy. I have passion this. But she's right. I mean, there's times that I just need to be daddy. But we do have a, we do have a relationship. And the thing is, is, is I, she wouldn't have known that I needed that, those words in, into me if we didn't have a relationship. Because it would just be high by, high by, high by. But I needed those words. I needed the gift that she's got to speak into my life. Amen? All right. If someone's new with them, and not, oh, God, I know it's so hard. And, oh, it's so rough. And, oh, Lord, if it be thy will. Oh, my God. Don't pray for me. You know, Jesus only said, if it be thy will, one time in the Garden of Gethsemane. But if you read the whole thing, he knew what the will of God was because his next statement, not my will, but your will be done. He just didn't want to suffer that pain. But man, church is all over. Oh, if it's your will, oh Lord. Oh, 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 oh. That's why I don't like a lot of people to pray with me. I need to know what you believe first. I need to know that you've read the Bible, the B-I- basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. I need to know that you've read those instructions and you understand what that means. Amen. So we need to get into the trenches, and we need to be down there with people. I was going to read Matthew, but I'm not going to. If you want to make a difference, this is our third point. Number one, identify your sphere of influence. Meet them at their place of need. And number three, point them to Jesus and his church. That's extremely important. See, most people just want to point them to a church. And that church just wants to point them to their rules and their regulations and their doctrines. But if you point them to church, that church better be pointing them to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way you can have your answers answered. The only way to have your problems solved. See, because the thing of it is, is you can... Share a burden with someone. Jesus is the only one that can remove a burden from someone. So if you bring them to church and you share the burden with them, now take them to the master who will take the burden from them. Because Jesus wants you to be burden free. He says, cast your cares upon me, for I care. Mm. Amen. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up. I, I, I'd like to, but I know, that I, I know that I need to stick with this point here. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the whole thing, like I said, point them to Jesus, takes the burden, makes it easy, makes it light. In Psalms 92, 12 through 15, he says this, he says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees. Anybody know what that means? Palm trees is a symbol of strength. Palm trees is a symbol of health. And he goes on to say, and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. 
for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. So, so what are we what are we saying? Point them to church, transplant them from the world, and plant them into church. And what happens is they start growing because he says this. He said, they flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. So the reason why we come to church, a place like this, is not so we can get preached at and, and looked down upon, but we're supposed to be coming to church for this reason right here, to be taught the word of God so we can grow and we can be productive even in our older age. <clears throat> Yesterday, I had to go to a meeting. And if, it's one of these meetings that if I don't go there, I can lose my credentials as a, as a minister. But I don't like to go to these types of meetings because they're all political. And I'm going to tell you, God is no respecter of persons. God is an awesome God. When I, uh, I went in there and I didn't realize I didn't have any cash on me. And I was in the lunch line. I thought, oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to try to work out a deal with them somewhere or another. I get up to the front. The lady puts the ticket on, on, my, on my plate. And she said, you know, you, you pay at the end. A guy named Kenny Hankla that we used to go to church with in, uh, actually, he did the books for the church that we went to in Withville, Virginia. Him and his wife, they pastor a church in uh, West Virginia. And he took that tag off my plate. He said, I got this, brother, and walked away. Do you know why that happened? I'll tell you why. If you go out to lunch with me, most of the time I'm paying for it. You reap what you sow. I've, I've sowed into people's lives. And, and the thing of it is, if you sow an apple seed into the ground, you're not going to get an orange. You're going to get an apple tree. When you sow finances into the ground, tithes and offerings, you're not going to get a lemon tree. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. The Bible calls money seed. He says he gives us seed to sow, bread to eat, and multiplies the seed that we sow and the fruit of our righteousness. And he's talking about finances and an offering there. Years ago, and this has happened to me a couple different times, and I, but this is actually my favorite story. We were broke. And we weren't telling anybody we were broke, but we, we couldn't afford to pay attention. We had $6 to our name. And we still had three kids. And we weren't making nothing at that time. This is right before I got into the railroad. And I'm just stressing out. And we went down to this church called Echoes of Faith to listen to a guest minister, a guy named Jesse Duplantis. <clears throat> He's kind of funny. And he started talking about sowing into the kingdom of God and getting a hundredfold return. And I thought, absolutely not. All I got is six bucks and I'm hungry. And I can get a double cheeseburger for a dollar at McDonald's. So, you know... 
You know what that woman did? She threw that $6 in that. I wanted to take it right back out. We go home that night. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And I had this big bag of clothes that was given to me. And I mean, I say it was a thousand, but it was probably more than a thousand. It was, it was a lot of clothes, and they were very high dollar clothes. And I start saying, Woo, we got the return. And Leah said, We did not. She said, I didn't sew clothes. She said, I sewed money. Get away from me, holy one. <laughs> so what I did is I went to the post office, and I, I usually, Jehovah doesn't come El Postal. <laughs> but he did that day. I opened the post office box, and I got, a, I got a letter from the IRS. And they gave us $610. Well, see, back then we were taught that 100-fold was 100 times, but that's not true. 100-fold is the best possible return on whatever the gift is. Because if all you got was 100 apples off of one tree, that would be a poor apple tree. So the best possible return. And so I called the IRS because I knew something was wrong. And I said, I said, ma'am, I said, my name is Rick Becker, social security number, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you got to wait on the phone forever. And so finally I get a hold of her. And we're talking, and she said, sir, I do not know why we owe you $610, but that's what my computer says. The IRS didn't even know. That's God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so why did I tell you that? Because I'm telling you, if you look in your own lives, you have cool stories yourself that God has been there every time. Amen? Well, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had to get together and worship you and glorify your name. Holy Spirit, I ask that you move and that you manifest on each and every person here today. And Father, I just pray as the Holy Spirit's moving that people are responding in their hearts. And Father, those that are online, Father, I pray for the ones online. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you were to say, Pastor Rick, listen, I've asked him into my life, but I've fallen away, and, and I just want to rededicate my life today. If that's you on either one of those two things, let me see your hand. Anybody at all? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put them down. That was five, man. That's awesome. Whether you've rededicated your life or whether you're born again for the first time, Jesus and the host of heaven, they are rejoicing right now. They're excited. If only one hand was raised, but you multiplied that by five. That's awesome. So you know what? If you didn't raise your hand, and, and maybe you're, you're online right now, and, and I couldn't see your hand because I know there's probably hundreds of thousands of you. But I know that if you pray the prayer, and that means this, that means believe in your heart that Jesus paid the price for sin, for your sin, all of humanity, and that he rose on the third day, ascended. You believe this in your heart, and you confess it with your mouth. The Bible says that you are saved. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Father, today I will not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could have some ushers come on up here, we're going to receive 
tithes and offerings. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on. And some people, they, I was talked to a lot of people that they don't have checking accounts. They forget cash and stuff like that. They, they, they want to have another way to give. Well, you can give 24-7 here. We have an app called Easy Tithe that if you download that or you can text either one. And we can, we'll, we can constantly receive, well, well, what are you receiving for? That's a good question. We receive not just to take care of this facility and everything that's here, but we receive so that way we can give to other people. Like our 4th of July event that we're doing. Last year we ministered to 860 people. And we gave out hot dogs and cotton candies and popcorn and uh, ices and just all this stuff, snow cones, I mean. And we we gave all this stuff out. We gave $100 gift card giveaways out. I mean, just all kinds of things. They didn't have, they weren't charged to come here. And we didn't preach to them, uh, like, you're going to hell or anything like that. We, we did a, a movie last year called Sing. And it was raining, so a lot of people came in here during that time, and they were just enjoying what was going on. Why did we do that? So that way we can, well, that was our sphere of influence. We met them at their place. And then we showed them Jesus by our actions and invited them to church. We did exactly what, what Thrive is about. And that's what we're about. That's why we give. We give not because we have to. We give because we get to.